Hey folks, welcome back to the Sports Cafe. For the first time in a while, we are doing our s second consecutive week. And we have um, a lot of football to talk about with uh, the regular season just ending and the playoffs beginning this weekend. Of course, this is the second season in which we have seven playoff teams, meaning six games in wildcard weekend. We've got both Ian and Adam in the house tonight. Hopefully Mike will uh, be able to join us later. So Adam, how is it up there in the Big Apple? Uh, closing in on my 11th season without a horse in the race of the NFL playoffs. So uh, nothing at stake for me, but look this weekend. Should still be a fun weekend. And Ian, up in, uh, up in Nutley. Yeah, it's been a exciting week, even though, well, exciting or at least newsworthy week for my football team, the Giants. I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but as we were getting ready for the show, we were just saying how excited we are for these six games this weekend and looking forward to discussing them and also looking back on a, a pretty wild first ever Week 18. Yeah, it's all going to be a lot of fun, and we will talk about Week 18 first to kick it off. Um, week 18 ended with a uh, Sunday night football game between the Chargers and Raiders that um, was pretty close to ending in a tie. And the, the big deal with that was that if, if that had happened, they would have both made it in at the expense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had won earlier that day. Um, now, people ask, should the Raiders have simply settled for a tie when they had the ball on the last drive instead of kicking that field goal? And Ian, I know you were in favor of the game ending in, in the tie. Um you want to share some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a few discussions to be had. One is before the game started and then during the game and then even in this particular instance in overtime as the, the seconds tick down. So there might be differing thoughts in each of those. But I just I look at it as kind of the the quirkiness of this situation. How often will something like this happen again? That's kind of the the view I was taking, and I know the the old school football mentality is you play to win the game, and you you know you never uh, you know I guess talk to the other team and agree on a tie. I just thought it would have been just a spectacle to see. I understand the actual kneeing back and forth would have been boring to watch, but the idea of the game ending in a tie and both teams making it, I just thought it would have been something really different and memorable. I guess the game ended up being memorable anyway because it was such an amazing game. Um, but as the game went on and we ended up getting those crazy heroics from Justin Herbert and the the uh, Chargers to tie the game you know, on a buzzer beater at the end of regulation, it just seemed to me almost too perfect to end it in a tie to say these two teams battled each other for the full game and they are equals, and they are both deserving to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, yes, I'm personally, I, you know, I know I mentioned this to you guys. I wanted to see Herbert in the playoffs. I wanted to see the Chargers. I think they're an exciting team. I'm kind of over the Steelers and and Roethlisberger. You know, you can't throw it more than ten yards downfield. So from an entertainment standpoint, I would have liked to see that as well. Um, and I know we'll talk about the particulars, you know, towards the end of the game with the timeout and all that, but that's kind of where I was coming from. I understand, uh, you know, Adam disagrees, but I think a lot of people do agree that this would have made for an interesting last game of, uh, you know, the, the season. If, if the teams in some capacity agreed to, at least if it got close late to, uh, do what's best for both of them and to both make the playoffs. Yeah, and I want to say Justin Herbert, he converted, what, like about four 
fourth and longs to, towards the end of the game. Yeah, and it was alive. like they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't complete a pass on like first, second, or third down. You got to like fourth and ten. That's that's when he was doing uh you know doing business. So it was it was a really exciting game. I probably the most exciting of the whole season. And um, yeah, they they battled back. They were down two touchdowns late and. Uh, yeah, it was a, just a tremendous performance. And Adam, I know you took uh, somewhat an opposite viewpoint that the um, the game deserved the winner. You did not want to see it end in a tie. Well, first of all, I mean, this was a phenomenal game. Uh, I mean, how ironic that the first week with 18 weeks and 18 weeks and the game of the year comes in the last game of week 18. Um, I mean, yeah, this is one of those games where no team deserves to lose. I mean, they both, I mean, it was just outstanding back and forth, but I think the Ravens a lot of credit for playing as hard as they did in that overtime. And Ian, you talked about, you know, some kind of um, agreement where if gentlemen's overtime, agreement. Yeah. And I, you, you just can't do that. I mean, you can't collude before the game to determine the outcome, whether, you know, whether it helps both teams or not. I just think there's something about the integrity of the and, you know, a lot of people are questioning uh, the, the Chargers calling a timeout there at the end. But there was no guarantee. I mean, I think you still have to assume that they're going to try and win the game. But I think, look, the players who are out there, they all want to win the game. You know, no one wants to be out there taking a knee with, with five minutes left in the quarter, whether or not it, it's good for them or not. But I think that, like, okay, well, you know, take the tie you're guaranteed to get in but for the raiders like yes goal is to make the playoffs but the goal the real goal is to win the super bowl and if you fan or or player on the raiders the best cha- the best chance to win the super bowl Kansas City in the first round so i think yes you know you do want to make sure you you don't want to take any unnecessary risk but at the same time, if you have a chance to win and give yourself a better chance in the first round, why not take it? So to me, I love that the Raiders went for it. Um, I'm, there was no, you know, blocked kick there at the end or or interception late that that cost them a playoff spot. And I think they were rewarded for going out, playing hard, and um, you know, protecting the the integrity of the sport. Yeah, and I, I'll say I was somewhat in between you guys because. I also thought it would be cool, given how rare the occurrence was of it ending in a tie and both teams making it in, but I also wanted to see a great game. I didn't want to see a bunch of kneeling happen. I would have wanted to see a great game that ended that way, and it seemed like we were going to get it um, with, with all of Herbert's fourth and long conversions to get that final touchdown and end the game, send it into overtime, and then you know, them also rallying back to to kick that tying field goal um, initially. So I, I enjoyed the game a lot. Um, it, it, as much as I would have preferred to see it somehow end in the tie, I think we mostly got the game um, that we wanted. Um, I don't know that I blame the Raiders for kicking the field goal, given they probably did want to avoid that matchup with the Chiefs. Um, I know, Ian, you mentioned that the timeout that was called might have simply ticked them off. Um and that they, they maybe planned to kneel initially and, and then went for it when the timeout was called. Um, but there, there was a slight risk, right? If that field goal was blocked or, or something got screwed up, then then the Chargers would have gotten the ball back. Um, 
and they would have had a chance to end it on their terms. Um, so, so, so there certainly was a risk to that field goal. I, I also want to say it was, what, like about 40 yards or so, so it wasn't necessarily automatic. I think, um, yeah, it was like maybe 45. Well, with Carlson, it pretty much is, but... Yeah, he hasn't missed, right, in that stadium? Yeah, okay, so so let's go back, so let's go to the timeout. So, Ian, so you feel like the timeout no, I, influenced... No, I didn't, I don't remember that I said that, Mike, uh, when we were talking beforehand. I, I know that was the narrative. A lot of people thought that calling that timeout you know, got got the Raiders annoyed and that made them go for it. But the evidence doesn't show that they were lined up in, you know, they were not in kneeling formation in quarterback kneel mode. Carr they were, was in shotgun. He was right. In shotgun. So that I yeah. thought that was a little overblown. I think the interesting thought, like the what if scenario would be if they didn't get it on that third down, they were they were, I think, too far for the field goal. Right. Or it would have been like 55 or Whatever it was, it would have been really far. So at that point, do you risk kicking that far field goal, or do you just there? Were, I think there are what thirty seconds left in the game. Yeah. Thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Do you run out the clock at that point because you're just over midfield? So that would have been interesting. I mean, I, I don't know how much the timeout mattered. I thought the the Chargers coach, who's you know, his other decision in in the first half when he went for it on his own, what sixteen or eighteen yard line on fourth down, right? Fourth, like that was absurd. So this coach is he's a he he gambles and I guess you know he belongs in Vegas, um, but I, I thought the timeout itself wasn't as big a deal as initially was like the right. you know the talk of Twitter. I well, yeah. the way that Chris Collinsworth kind of described it impacted how viewers interpreted because his initial reaction was uh oh like what are there but in reality you take a step back and think about it and I think a timeout was justified there. Everyone keeps saying, oh, the, you know, the the Raiders were going to kneel the ball. There was no indication that they were going to do that. They were in shotgun formation. Um, you know, they were they were already pretty, you know, close to field goal. Like, they could have attempted a field, long field goal, but they could have attempted one from that distance. So that was not a sure thing. But I think, yeah, take a timeout and uh, and and make sure to, to make sure to get the um, the the that. You know whether it's whether it's a passing play or get your best run stoppers out there. But to you know, you still want to you do not want them to get any closer. Uh, you know, for an easier field goal. So I have no issues there because there was no handshake agreement that they were going to need. And the fact is, from where they already were, you could make the case that that they were already in sense. And so you know, to to prevent closer I think it was the right thing to do actually and there was the other piece of that where after the game there was video of uh, Austin Eckler talking to I think it was the long snapper of the Raiders and people were trying to read their lips and a lot of people said that he asked him if they were going to kneel if if they didn't call a timeout and Eckler kind of made a like oh wow face at him so people thought that was yeah I, I don't uh, know. but but yeah. I and I give credit to John Boy who is most known for his baseball lip readings and he did a breakdown of this today and he, there's there's no evidence that you can actually read those lips it's I think it's more of what people wanted to see so who knows what was actually said but I think there's a little over analyzation of how yeah. the game ended, but you know, it was just such an interesting, there was just such an interesting element to it because you had the whole Sunday night football. This is the last game of the year. You had the Raiders, their whole situation with the interim coach and you had this tie looming in the background, but then both teams needed to win. It was, and it was just 
I thought very interesting. Someone made the point that Roethlisberger, you know, does, did he actually want to make the playoffs? Did he want to maybe ride off in the sunset with that big win in week 18 and not have to go to Kansas City? And, and people were also dissecting Derek Carr's postgame interview where that effect affect the play call and he said oh definitely but I, I think that he he kind of he didn't he didn't mean to answer it that way and I think he corrected himself when he said you know we were trying to win the game the, the whole time so I think people overanalyze that as well but yeah that's that's a funny point about I think you still I mean look you still want to if you have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl you you take it you would I think mean, crazier things yeah. have happened but um it's pretty. I mean, I read that Mike Tomlin like fell asleep in the fourth quarter because he <laughs> felt that a 15-point lead was was comfortable. So, crazy night for Steeler fans. Yeah, and I apologize. I actually looked back. It was it was Wild who would mention the possibility in in our chat. But um, yeah, I, I it does seem like that 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 the original plan was not to kneel um, from the Raiders' standpoint. And yeah, it's probably a combination. I think if they didn't get it. On, well, I guess it was third down, so then they couldn't have kneeled. But if it was fourth and two, I think they were too far for a field goal. So I I guess they would have had to punt, and then it, they would have had to rely on the Chargers to kneel yeah. or, or attempted a really long field goal, but then that could backfire, obviously, if you miss it. Yeah, I think in that situation, you likely would have seen a punt and, and therefore bringing it to a tie. Right, because then the the Chargers would have been at their own, you know, within their own 20 with 30 seconds left. And at that point, even I would say Adam might even agree that you would just want to kneel and and take the tie to get into the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, you you don't want to do anything. You're close enough to kick a field goal to win the game. You make the field goal. It it gives you a favorable or not favorable, but a, a more favorable than the alternative matchup. Why not go for it? Oh, and I think that was on their minds. They, they didn't want to play the Chiefs, at least not yet. So, we- Yeah, and I think, and just so I'm clear, I'm not criticizing the Raiders. I think they made the right decision. I understand that. I'm just saying as a neutral observer and someone who wanted to see something so different. wanted the chaos, yeah. yeah I mean, we got that, the chaos. We, we, and we got, got I mean, it was a very right. compelling. A, version, a different version of chaos. Yeah. yeah. yeah it would have been cool. I, I agree. So before we move on. Well, yeah, I was gonna, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, think about like, you know, in years past, when you're when you're going through these, um, you know, playoff scenarios and how oh, it's to tie for this to happen, it's just so crazy that that almost happened. And and by the way, none of this would have been possible. Jaguars had have stunned the Colts. Um, so just just totally crazy. Yeah, and I'll certainly have some, something to say about that as well um, as we move on. So we'll bring that to our next topic. In fact, um, the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment of the regular season. And I think we're going to likely exclude our own teams from this. Um, There's a lot of uh, disappointment to go around there. I think, I think so. (laughs) Um, So Adam, I'll, uh, I'll start with you. I suppose the jets weren't as much of a disappointment because you probably expected them to, to, to be pretty bad this season. But um, what, what, what are your top picks? Would you say for uh, you know first we'll go with positive, then we'll go with the negative. Okay, we'll start starting with the pop. Me, I think the biggest surprise has got to be the Bengals. Um, yeah. We knew they had talent with with Burrow and Chase. I don't think we anyone realized how explosive that that duo would be this year. But I mean, they play in arguably 
second toughest division of football. I mean, all three teams were, were right there pretty much until the end. Uh, the Bengals came in last place last year. Games, um, and they, they turned the ship around pretty quickly. Um, you know, they had a nice win over Kansas City late in the season. Uh, so to me, I think the Bengals, I mean, in, in three years, um, or I guess two years with, with Burrow, um, have really turned it around. So they're, they're, to me, one of the more exciting teams going into the playoffs and to me the big prize of the uh, of the regular season yeah and Ian I'll let you take your choice as well yeah I mean I, I one team that stood out and I think we thought they'd be good but not as maybe not as good as the number one seed and that's the Titans uh, you know 12 and 5 it's a little bit of a weak division for sure but I think uh, you know Derek Henry was amazing to start the year got injured but the team continued rolling along and um you know Tannehill, who I, you know isn't uh necessarily one of the greatest quarterbacks i think he's definitely above average he is is more than serviceable and um henry's back now right so i think they're uh you know they're they're definitely a surprise to be the first team in in the conference i think most of us probably would have thought you know a team like the chiefs uh, maybe Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is another team that might be worth discussing as a little bit of a you know disappointment in a sense, even though they didn't win the division. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say the the Titans for sure, finishing twelve and five with tied for the best record in uh, in the conference. Yeah, then those are both great picks. I, I think I would have said the Bengals um, had Adam not done so. Um, but I'm going to do something that's very out of character for me and. And praise a Boston team, the the Patriots. Um, I, I think, especially if you look at their performance last season, them having a rookie quarterback, um, and you look at even the way they started out this season, I I, I don't think they were really in the conversation um, when it came to the playoffs. And yet they were making a run not only for the playoffs, but there was even the potential at one point for them taking the uh, the number one seed. Um, about two games ago, the uh, the final two games they played were a little bit rough, so therefore they get the wild card spot. Don't even take the division, but still think they were a uh, an overall pleasant surprise. Um, not a team that I would have expected to be discussed when when we're talking about playoff and Super Bowl contenders. And we welcome Mike Wild to the show. Um, he has come in. I think he's still getting set up over there. So, uh, Mike, if you can hear me, we. Uh, we are talking about the biggest positive surprises of the um, of the last football season. Adam said the Bengals. Um, Ian talked about the Titans. I just talked about the Patriots. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and this is kind of a non-traditional answer, and, and you can hear me, right, guys? Yep. So I think I'm going to say I was surprised at the seamless trans- transition that Aaron Rodgers had back to the Packers. I wasn't expecting the Packers to be the best team in the NFC in the regular season, for sure not. And I, given the the craziness before the season started, and Jordan Love seemed like he could be the starting quarterback, and there was a lot of tension, I think all Packers fans, and, and being in the state directly south of them, I can... You know they'll they'll call into radio shows sometimes, or I get the Wisconsin sports talk station here, and they're ecstatic. So I think in terms of a surprise, I mean you guys hit on the teams that were not expecting to do as well as they did, but I think the Packers 
given that they got the first seed in the NFC, after all the craziness, I, I'm going to go with them. I'm, I'm very surprised at how well they did this year. Yeah, especially after their first game, I think people thought that they were falling off a bit, and then they come in and clinch on field. And now we'll uh, we'll go to the disappointments. And Mike, you came in just after I said this, but we're not talking about our own teams just yet. I know there's some of that to go around, uh, but I'm going to start with you since uh, since you just came on. Yeah, d- disappointments. I would say. I think that it, it it's relative, you know. So you could say like a team like the Colts that had expectations of potentially making the playoffs this year and choking it away against the Jaguars was a huge disappointment. Um, but I, I think to me, the biggest disappointment was probably the way that the um, the Washington football team uh, just, I had high hopes for them this year, honestly. I thought, obviously, when Fitzpatrick went down, um, they they were basically doomed. But I really liked, I drafted, and people made fun of me, but I drafted Terry McLaurin in a league. I drafted Antonio Gibson. I thought the way they played in the playoffs against the Bucks last year bode well for them. I thought Ron Rivera is, and I still think he is a very good coach, but they didn't get it together and they missed the playoffs. So, so I would say just how I thought the football, the Washington football team would be a playoff team this year. And, uh, they clearly just met everyone else's expectations and didn't meet mine. So that, that I know is out of the box, but as a per like personally, that's, that's a team I felt should have done more. Yeah. And, and Ian, I'll go to you. I'm, I know neither of us are disappointed well, about the uh, Washington football team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, I agree. Cause I think I picked them to win the division. But I don't know if while mentioning the Colts means that he took them or didn't take no, them, I, but I, I, you didn't take them. It's my choice. Um, all right. Well, I'll also mention, too, to keep in to keep in line. The first, I just want to reiterate, I think the Colts are probably the answer just because where they were. They had to win one game. They lost at home to the Raiders and at Jacksonville. They got destroyed in the last week. So that's probably, you know, if you had to factually give an answer, probably be the Colts. But the other disappointment for me, actually, was the Seahawks. I they won their last two games, so they finished a respect, somewhat respectable 7-10, and 10, but they were a non-factor pretty much all season, and that's rare to see you know, from a Russell Wilson-led team. I know they didn't have the talent that they've had in past years, but they always kind of put up a good fight. I just felt like this year we didn't talk about them at all. There was nothing going on. You know, The Wilson trade and uh, new team rumors have been going on really all season, so I was disappointed that they weren't more competitive this year. And Adam, what say you? I'm going to give a uh, a player and a team. And by the way, very happy about uh, Seattle because, of course, the Jets have their first round pick this year. Um, so I think there's so for most disappointing player um, to me, it's it's a very easy call. It's got to be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this guy came into the league as a can't miss quarterback. I know everyone was tanking for Trevor last year. I was absolutely heartbroken that the Jets had missed out on him, and he was arguably the worst of of the big five quarterbacks that that played in certainly you know i guess trey lance didn't really play enough but um he he had a really bad season i mean 
only 12 touchdown passes, 17 interceptions. Um, now, look, I don't feel necessarily great about Zach Wilson, but um, he certainly played better than Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, it's still early. He was dealing with a lot of dysfunction, um, you know, with the coaching staff and, uh, Jacksonville had some injuries and just a, a lack of talent. But, uh, you know, I thought that he was a guy that was going to come in and, and make an impact from day one. So to me, that was um, that was a major disappointment. And as far as disappointing teams, I think, you know, there's a couple teams in the AFC North you could probably go with. But to me, um, I actually think it's the Giants. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Ian will, will cover them a little bit more. But you know, this was supposed to be a year that the Giants were going to take a step forward. I know there were some questions maybe at the start of the year about whether they had enough talent, but uh, although they were 6-10 and 10 last year, you know, they were in the playoff race down to the end. A very, very weak division, but I think it's more the fact that not just that the Giants, you know, took a, a, a huge step back, but the Giants were just atrocious this year. I mean, they... For the second half of the season, they look like the worst team in the NFL. I mean, just complete incompetence on offense. And again, I, I'll let Ian kind of touch on this a little bit more when we, we talk about our own teams. But to me, yeah, I mean, the Giants now look like the worst team in the league, a team that needs to completely blow it up. I mean, a guy like Saquon Barkley, who who was their number two pick, I mean, now you wonder whether he's even going to be back with the team. I think at this point, anyone, you know, no one is safe on that roster. Um, obviously, they'll have a new coach and, and GM coming in. But um, I, I was yeah very disappointed, uh, or I thought they were a disappointment as far as just the level of incompetence they seem to have, particularly in the second half of the season. And the Eagles still managed to lose to them one time. I still don't understand that. But um, yeah, Ian took uh, the Seahawks, the, the team that I, before the season, had predicted to win the Super Bowl. So clearly... Uh, they, they, they were my disappointment. But I'll also talk about a team that I'll say disappointed me, not so much from the beginning of the season, but or, or from before the season, but like towards the beginning. Um, the Panthers, they started out 3-0. and And I was even praising Sam Darnold um, about how it, it was the right fit for him, that you know maybe he looked like trash in the Jets, but then when, when, once he found the perfect marriage with the Panthers, that he was going to be a solid starter and that the Panthers would be able to um, at least somewhat compete with the Bucks. Um for the, uh, you know, in the NFC South, um, but that that all fell apart so quickly. Um, Sam Donald, after three great starts, um, had a disastrous next couple of games. Then he got injured. They um, they had one of their backups for for a little bit. Then they brought back Cam Newton, who had a great first start. We thought it would all be the return of Cam Newton, um, who was a former number one overall pick and kept the Panthers competitive for a while. And then he he also flopped after that. Um, he it was so bad that he had gotten benched. So I, I think w when you look at where I thought they would be after the first couple of games in the season and where they ended up, um, that was a huge disappointment from a team that I, I thought was going to be one of our surprise good teams. Interesting that nobody mentioned the Browns or the Ravens. I guess the the Ravens were just decimated with injuries this year. I mean, and, they were they were so hurt. Yeah, yeah. But I and then I Cleveland. That, a lot of people thought Cleveland could could win the Super Bowl this year, build off of last year. But it's still no, the Browns. That, that's still the Browns. <laughs> it's it's sort of like can't be too surprised by the Browns disappointing. But I, I would argue, Adam, I like that. I, I think the Browns were a bigger disappointment than Washington because. A lot of their guys were healthy, whereas Washington was similar to the Ravens, where a lot of their key playmakers got hurt early in the year. So, uh, 
yeah. Anyway, uh, I think Mandel, you wanted to transition to the next topic. Yeah, but this is a good time to transition because um, now we are going to talk about each of our home teams. Um, a couple, I think, would have been mentioned in our last topic had they not been our teams. Um, so, Adam, I'll start with you. Um, you followed the Jets season, which I, I feel like did have a, a, a couple of flashes of goodness, um, e- even, you know, within a remarkable, you know, an overall disappointing season. Yeah, I mean, look, 4-13 and 13 is, is not much to be excited about. I mean, they, they had some, like you said, some flashes down the stretch, but I think... Um, you know, they, they, we need to start seeing some results. Um, I sent you guys a a graphic earlier in the week uh, showing you know the Jets haven't made the playoffs since 2010. I think the the second most recent is like 2015. Um, so the, you know the Jets need to start winning some more games. I think next year um, the bar is going to be set a lot higher. Um, you know they they had a really good draft this past year, so I think that's encouraging. But I think. They'll need to continue to bring in some additional weapons uh, on offense. Uh, they'll need to shore up the defensive line for sure. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, you you want to start to see some results on the field. I think to me, you know, I'd like to, A, not feel like the season is over after September, and B, you know, I, I'd like them to be playing meaningful games in December. I mean, obviously, I'd like them to make the playoffs, but, um, you know, it's just too many years in a row where they're, they're out of playoff contention and um you know I, I think as a fan that's all you can really you know well you can ask for a lot more but realistically you want to be there until the last week of the season um and you know i find myself the last three years unfortunately you're kind of conflicted about whether you want them to win or whether it's more beneficial for them to lose and get the higher draft pick um you know i i found myself kind of rooting for that here again um even though there's no you know consensus number one who's a who's a franchise changing player um so to me i would like very much to for the jets to be in it in december to the point where i don't ever feel like i have to i can root against them in december because of the draft pick i don't want any more of that nonsense yeah i hear that you know that's similar with the the sixers whole process and it's not fun you know whether you're tanking intentionally or not, it's just not fun when, you, when your team keeps losing. I, I definitely have been there. Now, when it comes to the Eagles, I mean, that, they were among the bigger surprise teams this season. They came into the season with low expectations, um, having just traded away their franchise quarterback while simultaneously taking a big cap hit um, because of the way his contract was set up, um, having a rookie head coach after firing a Super Bowl winner Doug Peterson and a quarterback that was pretty close to being a rookie and very much untested. Um, things started out as people had expected. They were 2-5 and five to start the season, and then they uh, they found their identity via the run. Um, and I think they combined low expectations and an easy strength of schedule to get themselves into the playoffs. Um, and the, th- the strength of schedule helped them out. The three strength of schedule games against the Jets, the Lions, and the uh, – the 49ers, they were 2-1, and one, um, which was a difference maker for them, got them into the playoffs. So um, I know I mentioned briefly last week how um, I mostly expected them to, to lose in the first round of the playoffs, and we'll, we'll get to that in the wild card round. The reason I said that is if you look at the splits this season, Eagles were 9-2 and two against non-playoff teams 
0-6 against playoff teams. Um, that, 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 that's what kind of that's what gets me a little pessimistic going into the wild card round. Um, now you could say like they they were responsible for knocking the Saints out of the playoffs, but even then you're talking about the team that would have been the uh, the seventh wild card team. Um, so they're going to have to obviously play better than they did against any of these teams during the regular season if they want a shot. But we'll uh, we'll eventually talk about that. One final point I'll make before transitioning um, to Ian and Mike is. Almost all Eagles fans, myself included, when when they made the Carson Wentz trade at the beginning of the season, we were very disappointed that, A, we got basically nothing for him, and B, that, you know, we we thought that maybe he deserved an opportunity to come back, especially with the new head coach. Yet, on the other side of the season, the Eagles make the playoffs, and the team that he goes to, the Colts, who not only had an MVP caliber running back, but also had the, um, the head coach that really helped Wentz do as well as he did in um, in the Eagles Super Bowl season. And they end up missing the playoffs. Um, the Colts media is already questioning whether they even want to have Wentz back as the uh, as the starter next season. Um, whereas Jalen Hurts, who most people have written off in Philly media, he ends up finding a stride in leading us to the playoffs. So, you know, while I still agree that the, um, the Eagles could have done a little better in the trade itself, it seems like they made the right call in deciding to move on. So uh, I'll give him plenty of credit there. It's funny. I, I feel like I just had this flashback. I mean, if, it feels like yesterday where we were talking about, you know, the end of last season where the Eagles and Giants had that game. The Eagles were were blatantly tanking and, you know, uh, we had, um, you know, Giants uh, were, were fired up about it and, and um you know, there was all this talk about like what what direction are those two teams heading? Like Joe Judge is this fiery coach. The Giants have a bright future. The Eagles, like who knows what's going to happen with them? And here we are a year later, and it seems like both teams' uh, fortunes have kind of turned. You know, the Eagles got a new coach. They're on the rise. They made the playoffs. The Giants, you know, failing to 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 build off of um, you know last year's um, uh, first season with Joe Judge. And Ian, I'm sure you have uh, plenty to say on that subject. Yeah, I know Adam kind of uh, summarized parts of it. I, he mentioned the second half of the season in particular being bad, and that's true. But they they really had it was a terrible year throughout. I mean, they started 0 and 3, 1 and 5. They lost close games. They got blown out. There was a game you may remember they lost. Uh, I think I think I saw a stat the last two minutes of the first half the entire season they were outscored like. 79 to nothing something along those lines um so it was just really a an unwatchable i guess adam used the term atrocious pathetic whatever word you want to use to describe the season um there weren't that many games where all of their skull players were healthy together um but even the ones that existed they didn't do much um obviously they fired jason garrett mid-season that didn't help um so you know gettleman their their gm for the last four years has really run the franchise into the ground. I mean, he they have no cap space, basically wrong move after wrong move. He basically drafted Daniel Jones because he thought he was an Eli Manning Jr. or lookalike. Um, you know, drafted, obviously, Saquon number two in the draft, which was you never really want to draft a running back that high where he could have shored up the offensive line. Um, could have had Sam Darnold. That too. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. They, they really haven't done anything right. They let Gettleman, you know, ride out the pasture and say he's retiring instead of outright firing him. 
And then I think what really came as a surprise to me is the, uh, you know, the public backlash, I think really, uh, you know, was a, a factor in them deciding not Monday morning on Black Monday, the way, you know, the Bears and others fired their coaches. It was a couple of days later that uh, Giants ownership did make the call to get rid of Judge, which I think is a smart move. I mean, you can't have a, a head coach in a in the role when you're trying to hire a GM. I mean, that's going to eliminate a lot of the top guys. They're going to want to bring in their own regime. So Judge, you know, who knows? He's still only 40 years old. He could have a coaching future. He may not. I don't think this is the time to retain him, though. I mean, he we haven't mentioned the, the crazy plays against Washington, the, you know, goal line, uh, the QB sneaks at their own at their own goal line. I mean, I don't think any of us have ever seen something like that. It, I guess those were give up plays. I don't know what the explanation was, but, uh, you know, it was really embarrassing. So I think it was the right move to clean house player wise. I, you know, I, I don't mind if they get rid of Saquon and they trade Daniel Jones or get rid of him too. I mean, if they want to try to bring him back just cause it's a, not a great QB market that that's okay. But I think the biggest thing is, uh, getting a, a smart football guy from outside the organization, which by all indications are, they are doing that. They're interviewing. It's all very public, too. I don't know if while you'll talk about the Bears, if it's as public with the Bears, but they're putting out a basically a blast after every interview they're doing. I think there's nine guys they're talking to, um, I think from the, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Ravens, or some of the top guys, uh, assistant GMs across the league. So, Everything I'm reading is they're handling this the right way. Obviously, you know, there's still some questions about the the Mara family and and the lack of being able to identify talent, both with coaches and players. But, you know, every organization has that. I mean, there's a family that runs it and it worked out, you know, in the previous, well, years ago at this point with Coughlin and Eli. So, you know, nothing's going to change there. They're not going to sell the team. So. I'm definitely a bit more hopeful this time around. When they brought in Gettleman four years ago, I think they only interviewed four candidates. Yesterday, uh, the owner basically said it was a rushed process. This year, they're taking their time. So give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm glad. This is what I wanted last year. I remember calling for Gettleman then. Judge obviously took a, a huge you know, turn for the worse. He was, he was up and coming. And as Adam said, it was just a, a pathetic season where they weren't competitive. So you really have no choice. So, That's yeah, just a, a couple of quick follow-up questions because I, I remember at the start of the season because I did ask you whether you felt like the Giants had, you know, a, a talented roster that they should be making the playoffs, and you said no. So you didn't expect them to make the playoffs, but I guess two things. Number one, with, with Judge, I mean, do you think he got a raw deal here? Like, was it, was it really just a, a terrible roster and, you know, being tied to Gettleman that – this was kind of his fate or or do you think that it just got so bad that there was no turning back and then i guess moving forward do you have a a, a preference for a coach i mean jim harbaugh might be available now brian flores is 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 available is there a certain guy that maybe is at the top of your list yeah i mean i i think yeah i didn't expect them to make the playoffs but i expected them to be competitive to be you know play meaningful games as you said into december with the jets um, in a division that I didn't think was that strong. I guess the, the Cowboys outperformed my my expectations. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was less about the win-loss and more about just playing close football games. And, you know, you have those heartbreaking losses. I think they had plenty last year. And, and this year, it was just they couldn't move the ball. I think they had the fewest yards maybe in their team history one of the games. They, you know, backup quarterback. And 
I think it's probably some combination of the roster injuries. But again, when everyone was healthy, they weren't doing anything anyway. So at best, you I would say you could have Judge on the fence and maybe bring him back, maybe not. But the way they finished the season, losing six in a row, getting blown out, some of this atrocious play calling. We didn't mention the other thing, which was that 11-minute rant that he did a couple weeks ago, which I guess he called out the what the Washington coach, Ron Rivera. He made some insinuations about players wanting to get back with the Giants. It was just some of the, the comments he made were really strange, not something you often see from an NFL head coach. So I just – I'm not – you know – I just think they're not losing anything by letting him go. Obviously, I guess they still have to pay him for another year. But from a fan's perspective, I I didn't see much uh, positive to keep him at this point. Um, And then your other question was what about... Head coach. Oh, head coach. Yeah, I mean, Brian Flores, I think, was the big surprise that he got fired when when the Miami won, what, nine and seven? Nine and eight. Is that right? Nine and eight and won seven in a row and... The team was, you know, on the rise. There, you know, Tua is still the jury's out a little bit, so it's it was really shocking that he's gone. Um, so I think he should be in heavy consideration. I prefer not uh, not to bring in a college coach. I think some sort of a an established veteran uh, presence. Well, Harbaugh is an established NFL coach. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's almost too big of a name, if that makes sense. Like I feel like there needs to be someone steady who's not going to be like a you know draw so much media attention but someone who's not you know has never coached in the nfl before right so i don't know who that name is um i you know i've really been focusing more on the gm candidates so far but uh i i'm confident that if they bring in one of these smart kind of you know gms who's working for an organization that's drafted well and it's often a playoff contender and they let them make the call i'm confident that whoever they bring in will be uh, you know, someone who is well-respected and can lead the team, at least in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want another Urban Meyer, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> about yeah, it goes without thinking. saying. <laughs> and, Mike, I know you've probably got plenty to say, um, especially given that Chicago parted ways with their head coach as well. I have a ton to say. I mean, Ian kind of hit on a lot of the Is a lot of it similar? <laughs> that are similar in the Bears organization because... It's a shame. The I mean, the Giants at least have a few Super Bowls in the last 20 years, but the the Bears and the Giants both are charter, or, or the Bears are a charter franchise. The Giants are very, very early arrival to the NFL, and both the Hallis and Mara families have owned the team since their inception. So the thing about the Bears, I it's common sense. They should have fired Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. It was time. Their track record was not where it needs to be for Ryan Pace after seven years and for Nagy after four seasons, after such a bright start as coach of the year, he never adjusted. Everyone adjusted to him. He never adjusted and he kept doing the same thing over and over again and it didn't work. So it was time. The thing that was troubling is that Ted Phillips, who's the president of the Bears organization and is the de facto president of football operations, even though he's an accountant, um, he still is in the hierarchy. And uh, George McCaskey, who is now the figurehead for the Bears, basically said, I'm a fan during the press conference where he he did say he was a fan, where, where they fired Pace and Nagy. And the media said, well, who's going to lead the search? And he said, me. And he said in, in the same press conference that he said he's going to lead the GM search, the coaching search, 
and then the GM is going to report directly to him, even though he's not a football insider, it gives me no hope that things are going to get better. They're they're bringing in Bill Polian to help with the search, and Bill Polian's been out of football since 2011. He was a fantastic general manager and president for the Colts and helped them win a Super Bowl against the Bears. But there's no skin in the game for him. He's going to help with the search, but McCaskey's going to have the final say, and Polian can go on his way after picking whoever he picks, whether it works or not. So I have no hope. I think that until the Bears sell the team, there is going to be this consistent spiral of they hire someone, they're optimistic, the McCaskies don't know what they're doing, but they won't let someone with a proven track record help them and oversee the process because you need a football person who is experienced that knows what they're doing to help with this, not a quote-unquote fan who knows less, by the way, than all of us. Even, like, so I follow the Bears, but you guys would have better intuition than the McCaskey family at this point for what to do with the Bears organization. Ouch. I'm serious. They don't know what they're doing. It's a disgrace. And the Bears fan base deserves better than this. The Bears fan base, year after year, sells out the stadium, is loyal. Is It's a Bears town. This is a Bears town. And when they're good, the whole city's happy. But lately, it's just been one pathetic misstep after another. They could get lucky. You know, they could hire someone who's capable and I, I really like they're, they're talking to, speaking of the Colts, Ed Dodd, who is a, he's high up in the Colts organization. I also like the prospect potentially of them hiring Rick Smith, who is the, few, the past general manager of the Texans. And he drafted really well for the Texans. He got the Texans in the playoffs for many years or a few years in a row. And he led them to their lone period of prosperity. So he could be good. And I, I really like Brian Dable, and they're they're interviewing, like Ian said, the Giants are interviewing Brian Flores, and, and the Bears are as well. And um, so they could luck into this. But have the Bears um, publicly said that they're hiring GM first, and that GM will... no? So that's how they're not doing it that way. They're it's so screwed up that George McCaskey in his press conference said, "Well, if we find a coach we like, we might hire him first and then hire the GM. But that's exactly what happened when Ryan Pace came in and they said, you have to have John Fox as your coach. And we all know how that went. So it's just the same mistake over and over and over again. And he said in his press conference also, he said, I have the utmost confidence in Ted Phillips because I trust his instincts as a decision maker. Ted Phillips has been the president. He He's the McCaskey family accountant or some administrative role like that. And he's a good business guy. But he's been in the role since 2000, right? So since since we were in middle school and, and not dating ourselves, but that was a long time ago. So for 20, almost 22, se- I guess this was his 22nd season, the Bears have made the Super Bowl once. And they have, I think, three or four playoff wins uh, besides that Super Bowl run. So in 22 years, it's been pathetic. So the 
the fact that McCaskey won't acknowledge that this structure is not working and won't hire a football mind to oversee a process where, as I said, all of us know you hire the GM before you hire the coach. Why? Because the GM is the one that has the vision for the organization and the coach helps to implement that vision on the field. And um, the Bears have no common sense. So I could go on and on about this. So what about a coach? Who's your who's your? Uh, I think like I, I, I think Brian Dable. I would like he's the offensive coordinator for the Bills. I really like that he worked with Josh Allen and Josh Allen and Justin Fields kind of have similar skill sets. He's a guy that knows how to work with a promising young quarterback who's mobile and who's talented, and I, I like that fit. So if I had my pick, I would love Sean Payton in an ideal world, but I don't think he's going to leave New Orleans. Sean Payton would be my first choice by far. He's an Eastern Illinois grad. He's a like Illinois native, um, but I don't see him coming to the Bears. So I think Brian Dable would probably be my preferred choice right now. I don't know if I trust Byron Leftwich. They're going to interview him, but I don't know how much he's a product of Brady or if he's actually that good. Um, and also Brian Flores could be a good coach. So um, we'll see what happens. So, I hope so get... are you out on Harbaugh? or? I don't think they're going to have Harbaugh come. I, I think Harbaugh is going to stay at Michigan because Harbaugh just hired a coordinator and it seems like he's okay. making – He's making moves to to remain at Michigan. I'd be surprised if he was. Right? If it was my team that had an opening, I, he would be at the top you of the list. Jim Harbaugh. I, mean, he's, I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I think that Jim Harbaugh would be, if I thought he was, like, I didn't even think about him because I'm thinking he's going to stay at Michigan. I would put him, at, if not at the top of the list, as a top three candidate in my book if he was a serious candidate for the job. I worry a little bit about coming from college and the Urban Meyer factor, but I think he's yeah, done it he before was, in San yeah, Francisco. Yeah, he's accomplished. And, I mean, he was a great a cop, NFL right. coach. So, so I think, I think that if if I were to, con- I'm not even considering him because I don't want to get my hopes up, and I think he's going to stay at Michigan. But like, he'd be probably number two behind Sean Payton in like an ideal world who I'd want to talk to. In a realistic world, Brian Dable's my number one candidate right now. And I think you guys both have plenty of options. It's a good opportunity for, for any coach to come in and have the chance to turn around a team. Um, I do think Flores is going to be a hot pick all the way around because I don't know of anybody who thinks he should have been fired besides the people in the Dolphins' front office. Um, one small thing I am curious about is, um, Adam, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence being your biggest disappointment among players for the season. I, I do wonder if once they hire a new coach, someone who isn't as disastrous as Urban Meyer was, you know, will, will that make enough of a difference? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely need a talent upgrade, and I know that they had actually drafted his uh, college teammate running back, Travis Etienne, and I think he tore his ACL in the preseason, so he missed him the whole the whole year, and maybe he's got the same connection as uh, Burrow does with his uh, college teammate in Jamar Chase, although they play different positions. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helps to have some stability uh, in the coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, we will move on to the wild card round. Um, got six games, as we said, coming up. And first game on tap is going to be the uh, 
the aforementioned Vegas Raiders who we were just talking about at the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, um, who was clearly one of our surprise teams of the season. Um, Ian, why don't you take this one? I'll let you pick first. So, yeah, I've seen, you know, obviously there's only six games this week, so dis- everyone's dissecting them every which way. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think the my, my take on this is Vegas played there kind of Super Bowl slash playoff game last week to get into the the Super Bowl or to get into the playoffs. I think they'll have a little bit of a letdown. I know I mentioned to you guys, you know, they played the last game of the regular season. Now they have to play the early game on Saturday. Um, I think they'll it'll be a little bit, you know, they'll, they'll be a little bit sluggish. I think Cincinnati's come on strong of late, especially their offense with Burrow and Chase. So I see Cincinnati winning this game by a touchdown or so. Adam, I'll go to you next. I'll start by saying that just looking at the lines here, I I feel like you know that Vegas gets it right when, you know, all the games are toss-up with the points. I mean, uh, as you probably heard, they've uh, legalized uh, mobile sports books in New York, and I'm I'm trying to look for, like, a safe bet here, and I don't really see one here on the board. I think that all the lines here are are pretty good to the point where I think we'll be split on, on most of these games except for maybe one of them. Um, I think Ian makes a valid point about maybe a little bit of a hangover effect with the Raiders, um, not just the, um, the 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 mental toll of that game, but the fact that it was Sunday night game and now they're playing Saturday afternoon, so a little bit short rest. Uh, this is probably going with my heart here because I'd like to see the Raiders win, but I'm gonna take the Raiders here at pl- at, uh, at at plus five and a half. I I don't feel great about it. Again, I think it's more that I'm rooting for them i'd like to see them win and i have a huge lead in our in our pick league um but i don't know i mean I, I just love the fact that the raiders played so hard they played to win um this is actually Derek carr's first postseason appearance uh you may remember they had that one year where they won like 13 games and then he he broke his leg and, and missed the playoffs so i think he'll have a little extra juice coming into this game the Bengals obviously very young and inexperienced so um why not let's let's take the raiders plus five and a half all right, Mike, I'll move to you. Sure. So I'm, I'm with Adam here. I like the Raiders plus five and a half. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I see it being a close game. It's going to be freezing in Cincinnati. I think it's going to be, I read somewhere, like two degrees. So I look for it to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Raiders have enough on offense where they're going to at least keep it close and it's Joe Burrow's first playoff game, and the Bengals are very young. And the like Adam said, Derek Carr has more experience. And I like how the Raiders played against the Chargers the other night. I, I think that they're, they're a team that is overlooked because they're the Raiders, but they've had a really solid year. So I'm going to take the Raiders plus five, and, and I think that, or plus five and a half, and I think that. Um, I think they could win. Ian says he's seen around 30 degrees for this game, so I guess I read the wrong forecast. Maybe you were looking at the Buffalo forecast, which yeah, we're talking about that. next. Wouldn't maybe surprise me. Too. Yeah, you know, the uh, the Bengals' history is against them. They have not won a playoff game in 31 years before most of these players were even born. Um, and I think we were all in preschool or something. Um, the Raiders, on the other hand... Uh, after an acrimonious split with uh, with head coach John Gruden, um, they probably were considered an afterthought, and 
they come in uh, when the final four games of the season to go into the playoffs. So if they're getting five and a half points, I'm going with them. Very interesting. I I, I thought I was going to be the only person to take the Raiders here, and I agree with Mike. I I don't think they're I don't think the Raiders will win, but I I, I think that they'll cover. But um, interesting that we got three of three out of four going with the Vegas. Yeah, with five and a half, I feel like I kind of have to. Especially again with the history of of, of the Bengals, um, so we'll move to the uh, the AFC East showdown between the uh, the Patriots and the Bills. Adam, since you're the AFC East guy, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, well, I'll start by saying take the under in this game. Um, as Ian mentioned, I, I think it's gonna. I think I saw it's gonna be less than ten degrees. So, so this was the game. Yeah, this was. We the we could um, we could very well see a uh, a replica of the game that these two teams played back in uh which week was it where the patriots threw the ball three times yes um okay week week 13 yeah the patriots won 14 to 10 mac jones threw the ball three times um so i see this being a very run heavy game for new england uh damian harris has has played really well in the two games against Buffalo, but uh, Buffalo beat them pretty handily last time they played. Um, look, the, the, the weather is 100% going to be a factor in this game, so it, it could get real ugly, but um, you know, this is not Tom Brady in the cold. This is a rookie quarterback who you know, Bill Belichick did not trust to throw the ball at all last time they played Buffalo, so I think that's going to be hard to overcome. The Bills have been rolling lately, so uh, I'm going to take the Bills here um, at minus four. Mile, how about uh, I'll go to you? Yeah, I see this being a very low-scoring game, as Adam said, and this is the two-degree game that I thought was in Cincinnati, but it's not surprising because it's Buffalo. This game makes me crazy, honestly, because I think the Bills are so much more talented than the Patriots. I think the Bills could actually be the most talented team in the AFC. But they make me crazy because every time I think they're going to cover or win by a lot, they don't. And Bill Belichick knows exactly what he's doing in a game like this. I know Mac Jones is a rookie, but given the weather, it's going to be a sloppy, cold game. My gut, my head is saying pick the Patriots, but I just don't want to do it. So I'm going to pick the Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills minus four. It's a, you know, it's a toss-up for me. The Bills could could come out and fire on all cylinders, and the Patriots really struggled last week. You saw what happened in Miami. So this could be a, a easy cover. But on the other hand, I can see it going the other way, where it's a really tight, grinded-out, low-scoring game. But I'm going to take the Bills. And I'm going to go with you guys. Uh, very tough one to call, as you said, but the the way that the Bills have been playing to end the season, um, you know, the Patriots I talked about before, I did not expect them to be where they are. Um, that said, they did finish the season on a bit of a low note. I think with the Bills' momentum coming into this game, um, I've got to go with them. Yeah. Ian, what do you think? You, uh, you're going to decide? Uh. No, you know, I, I was hoping I wouldn't be the only, but I agree with you guys. I think the Bills are a much better team. If this wasn't against Belichick, I feel like the line would probably be six and a half or so um, against the rookie QB that finished the season kind of on a, on a downswing. So I think Buffalo will avenge uh, their last performance. I guess my only concern is what Adam was saying. It's just really low scoring and it's, you know, a 10 to nine game or something like that. But I think the Bills have enough firepower to, to win by more than four. 
Alright, and that, that moves us to the uh, Eagles at the Buccaneers. Um, I'll, I'll take this one here. Um, these two teams met before. They met in the regular season. It was in Philly. Um, Buccaneers only won by six. And, you know, they're, they're getting nine points. I think that's a pretty generous line, even for for the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, this one's in Tampa. But the Eagles, they're, they're a different team than they were back then. Um, they, they played the Buccaneers before they found their identity. Um, I, I I don't see the Buccaneers beating them by nine points. Um I don't know that they really have an answer to the run. Um, I, I think we're likely to see a shootout here, very high-scoring game. Um, I think Buccaneers clearly still the favorite to prevail. Um, I'm picking the Eagles, though. I think that they're, they're going to keep it within nine points. Um, so I will go to Ian next on this one. Yeah, I, I was going to agree with you. I think they can keep it close. I think, you know, chances are... I don't think they're going to pull the upset, but chances are they they can stay with uh, Tampa. I feel like Tampa, you know, they're they're one of the favorites going to the Super Bowl again. So I'm not saying they're going to have a letdown in the first game of the playoffs, but, you know, they might come out a little bit slow, take a little bit of time to get their momentum going, and then ultimately, you know, win by uh, maybe a touchdown. I think Philly has a chance to, to hang with them. So I'll also take Philly to, to keep it uh, within nine. Interesting. Mike, I thought for sure you were going to pick Tampa there, um, given your, your skepticism. But uh, I'm going to take Tampa Bay here. Um, the, I'm glad you mentioned the stat before um, about the Eagles, how they're 0-6 against current playoff teams. And what, what was the other number that you gave? 9-2 and against non-playoff teams. Right. Yeah. Very, very, very weak schedule. Um, not to not to knock them too hard, but really didn't, didn't beat any good teams this year. Uh, granted... You know, Washington uh, last year gave Tampa Bay the best game in the playoffs. Granted, the game was was in Washington, but um, they, they gave them the most competitive game. Um, but to me, I'm going to take Tampa at home here with the points. I believe Leonard Fournette is back. Uh, so that's that's a big uh, upgrade for them at running back. Um, so I'll take look. I hope it's a close game, but uh, I'll, I'll take the Bucks minus nine. OK, wow. This is a toss-up for me. I, I think that the playoffs in general, things are close, especially in the first week when teams are starting to get their bearings and they're they're trying to figure out how they want to play uh, in the postseason. But the Bucks, I, I think Tom Brady here comes out firing because he is – if not the most competitive person in sports, one of them, and he has not forgotten who beat him, who beat him in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And Mandel, I know you uh, you still reflect extremely fondly on that game, but I know Tom Brady does not. So I think he looks to make a statement here at home. I'm going to take the Bucks plus nine, but I can see it remaining close because a lot of these games are close. I I just see Brady. Kind of has some a little a little personal motivation here. Yeah, you know, I I think the spread is generous. And one one quick point I forgot to make was injuries, which have crushed the Eagles the prior few seasons, actually haven't been all that bad this year. Um, whereas the Bucks, they're still dealing with them. They're getting Fournette back, but Godwin's still out. I know one of the big defensive linemen is out. Obviously, Antonio Brown won't be there. So I, I think that's what gives us 
at least a chance to stay competitive. Um, and that, that game that we always refer to, the close game against Heineke and the Washington team, that was an eight-point victory. So just within that nine points, we'll see if that happens again. There you go. So we'll move to uh, 49ers at Cowboys. And, Wild, why don't you take this one? So I've been on the Cowboys train pretty much all year. I, I picked them to win the division. They did. Um, I think that Dak is is chomping at the bit to, to get back into playoff football. And the 49ers are so inconsistent. I mean, they, they look great. They, they won last week. But I don't trust them in Dallas to keep it within three points here. I think the Cowboys are going to cover at home. The 49ers are, are sneaky. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be a blowout. I just think that the, four, the, the Cowboys have enough offensively talent-wise where they're, they're superior enough where I think they should win by more than three at home. But if they don't, I mean, there, there's so much pressure on Mike McCarthy right now. I could see it if it stays close, the 49ers have a chance. The 49ers need to keep it low scoring, but I see I see Dak and the Cowboys winning by around six or seven here. So I'm I'm gonna descend here. I'm gonna go with the with the 49ers. Um for one, Jimmy Garoppolo seems to love primetime big stage games. Um you saw the way he played in the uh playoffs leading to the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago. Um Thrash the Rams on Monday Night Football. I, I I like them in this matchup, and you know the the Cowboys. There's obviously no love lost for them from from me as an Eagles fan. And to paraphrase our former kicker David Akers, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, Ceedee Lamb wasn't even alive. So I'm going full on the 49ers. Yeah, I, I'll jump in. I, I agree with you, Mike, and maybe part of that is our uh, you know. Our, our Cowboys hatred, but I, I just haven't liked what I've seen from the Cowboys. I know they, they did destroy your team in a, I guess, rather meaningless game, but uh, you know, the, the Cowboys haven't beat, beaten too many great teams the second half of the season. They lost at home on Thanksgiving. You all remember to the, to the Raiders, they beat the Washington football team, I think twice, obviously the giants. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, and they always, at least in our, most of our lifetime come up small in the playoffs. So, I think the the 49ers are one of the better teams. I actually like them better than the Rams. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think they if they win this game, which you know I'll make that bold prediction, say they'll win. I think uh, you know they're 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 a team that could could make it far. So I will take the 49ers to uh, cover the spread in Dallas. Yeah, the Cowboys beat our second string, and even there they had some trouble in the first half. <laughs> so I wouldn't give them that much credit. Adam, over to you. I was really impressed with San Francisco last week. I mean, season on the line at at the Rams. Um, I mean, that late, I mean, down 17 nothing in the first half. That was really impressive. And the way Garoppolo led them down the field there, um, I, I, was, I was really, really impressed with that win. Um, that being said, um, I, I do think the Cowboys are the more talented team. I know they've had a weak schedule. I know San Francisco has been really hot. They've won seven of nine. Uh, but to me, Cowboys being at home, um, I think they've got a little bit too much uh, firepower for the Niners to keep up with. Although Debo Samuel, I don't know if you guys have seen him play much, but he is a he's a game changer. I mean, he does everything out there. Um, 
So this game, and the Niners kind of seem to be the trendy pick here. I've, I've, I've seen that. I think a lot of people want to pick a quote-unquote upset somewhere, but I don't see it happening here. So uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys minus three. Okay, so we're split here. And that brings split us the room. to the, um, the Steelers at the Chiefs, the game that Roethlisberger said he, he, he has no chance to win it. Um, he thought they were 20-point under. I, co- yeah. I couldn't tell. So, guys, was he, like, serious? I, like, it was kind of hard to – when you read it on paper, it sounds a little different, but it was like – I don't know. I think he was going for sarcasm, but it didn't It didn't sound yeah. like it so much. Yeah, I only read it. I didn't hear it. They, but, they, they can feel yeah. comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll lead here. Um, okay. First of all, I love Mike Tomlin. I mean, he is just he's so awesome. I mean, he seems like the kind of coach you'd you'd run through a brick wall for. Um, the Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, question is, are they going to win it by uh, over twelve and a half? Um, I'll probably regret this. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers here to cover. Um, you know, something about Big Ben's last hurrah. Uh, the Chiefs have also not covered. I feel like they've played a lot of close games in primetime. Uh, I do know that they they blew out Pittsburgh uh, a few weeks ago. I think Pittsburgh was a different team back then. They probably kind of thought their season was over. Um, so this this game could get ugly, but I'll say, you know what, Big Ben's last hurrah, he can rally the troops a little bit here um, to to cover. Uh, don't feel great about the pick, but... Um, but but give me Pittsburgh here plus twelve and a half. All right, so I think I'll go counterclockwise for this one. Ian, you want to take this uh, take this next? Well, it's probably not not going to be a good week for me because I'm going against Adam for I think the third <laughs> game in a row. Uh, so I will I will take Kansas City. I I just feel like I haven't seen anything out of Pittsburgh the last few weeks and. I mean, if if I were, you know, the defensive coordinator, they're pretty easy to to plan against, knowing that you know Big Ben doesn't have much of an arm anymore. So, I think the the Chiefs can win by a couple touchdowns at home. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the underdogs here, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Big Ben is going to be playing like there's no tomorrow, and whatever he has left in the tank, he's going to put that on the field. Um, also noteworthy that the Steelers are the seventh seeded team here. Um, back when the NFL only had six teams per conference, they were the first ever six seed to win the Super Bowl, and that was uh, Roethlisberger's first championship. So I'm going to go with history and, and, and pick them to cover 12 and Picking a half. Picking them to win the Super Bowl? Definitely not, <laughs> but but I think they could at least get within 12 and a half of the, of, of the Chiefs. And, uh, Wild, that leaves you? Yeah, this this is tough because... I wanted to take the Steelers here because I agree with what you and Adam said about them probably keeping it close. I see the Steelers keeping this close, but because Adam and I have the you same... got to make up some ground, yeah. Yeah, we have the same exact picks. Why not? Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, do your thing, destroy, and uh, win by two touchdowns, please. So Destroy and I- retire the opposing quarterback. Because Adam took the Steelers, and I need to make up ground, I'm going to take the Chiefs here. All right. That brings us to what I believe will be the Monday night football game, the uh, NFC West showdown, the Cardinals at the Rams. Uh, now, these guys, when they played each other earlier in the season, the road team won both games. Um I don't know that the same is going to happen here 
I believe it'll be close. And if the Rams are getting four points, or if the Cardinals are getting four points, then I'm going to go with them. While I'll leave this to you. I, to me, this is the hardest game to pick because it, it's so hard to know. Given how the Rams looked last week against the 49ers, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. But the Cardinals also have been so inconsistent lately. And six weeks ago or so, the Cardinals were the top seed in the NFC, and, and they kind of fell apart. But I, I do think the Cardinals will will at least keep it close. So I'm going to take them plus four here. I think there's no pressure on them. Kyler Murray can get his playoff experience and maybe make something special happen. And, and the Rams I'm skeptical of because I have not been impressed by them lately. And even if the Rams win by a field goal, the Cardinals still cover here. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals plus four. But it's a really tough pick, just given how inconsistent these two teams have been lately. Yeah, I agree. Adam? Yeah, so I'll jump in here. Um, so th- this should be a good game, you know, di- division rivals. Um, I will say, I won't, I won't give away my, my Super Bowl pick, but I will say going into uh, the final week of the season and also my preseason pick was for the Rams to be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. I have changed my, my Super Bowl representative out of the nfc as a result of week 18 i was so disappointed with uh with the way the rams imploded in in um in week 18 blowing a 17 nothing lead at home and that was essentially a playoff game um i don't know if how much you guys watched but it was actually probably half the stadium was niners fans but to me blowing that big lead you know they didn't need it um, to make the playoffs, they didn't even need it to win the division, but um, it, it cost them some seeding. Uh, they've got a much tougher first round matchup here. So to me, I don't feel comfortable picking the Rams to make it all the way through the NFC. Uh, that being said, I do think they're the better team in this matchup. Um, I like their playoff experience. Um, you know, should be a, a great game, high scoring, uh, but I am going to take the Rams here minus four. But I was very, very disappointed. Uh, with the way they imploded in Week 18, um, I also had uh, used one of my free DraftKings bets on the game um, and lost there at the end. But um, give me the Rams here minus four. Okay. And Ian. Yeah, I, I agree with with you guys. It's, I feel like this is maybe the hardest game of the weekend to pick, and partially these teams to me are pretty interchangeable. They have their ups and downs. They only finished one game apart in the NFC West. They know each other really well. A couple of stats. The Rams are 11-3 and against the spread against the Cardinals over the last 14 games. And then on the opposite side of things, as you guys know, the, the Cardinals are a lot better on the road. I think they were 8-1 this year on the road. So, that's right. um, yeah, it's uh, for me, this is kind of a toss-up. But I think Adam's point about the playoff experience and, and kind of, uh, you know, McVay, I think, can, can make a difference here. I'll take the Rams to, to win. Uh, by more than four, so not not feeling confident about it, but I guess agreeing with Adam, maybe I'll have. I feel good about it. And real real quick before we get to the Super Bowl picks, uh, which to you guys is the most exciting must watch matchup? I guess Mike, putting aside your your Eagles bias, <laughs> to me, um, I, I'm I'm pretty fired up about Niners Cowboys. You know, two of the most passionate fan bases in the country. It's definitely a toss up. Um, you know, close spread. Uh, I think. The whole world will be rooting against the Cowboys. So to me, I'm I'm most looking forward to that game. Oh yeah, I want to see the Cowboys get ripped apart. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, because the new teams. But I feel like Vegas, Cincinnati, there's something about it that I'm really interested to see. Uh, first game of the weekend, Vegas has been in the news, obviously, with what we, you know, with uh, just squeaking their way in. So that new matchup is is one that I don't want to miss. Yeah, I, I was going to say Cowboys Niners, but my second most intriguing matchup, I guess, would be the Cardinals and Rams. I just have no idea what's going to happen. I'm they're both teams that are they can be really exciting to watch with their high-powered offenses or they can be really maddening to watch. So either way it I think is going to be an entertaining game. I'm looking forward to Big Ben's probable last game. I'll say that. Should be fun to watch. Yeah, honestly, all very compelling matchups. Like I'll I'll, I'll be locked in for for most I mean, of the games. Pittsburgh Kansas City could be a blowout early on. But, yeah, I think I mean, but I, but I'll be I'll be you know locked in at the beginning at least for for Big Ben. I mean, that's that's definite storyline to watch. Absolutely, got a fun slate of games. And before we move on to final thoughts, um, now now that we have the season in the rearview mirror, we will again make some Super Bowl picks here, um, based on the current playoff teams. Wild, why don't you start this one? Man, all right. So I think from the AFC, until you beat them, I, I, can't, I can't pick against the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs' defense in the second half of the season has been fantastic. And that is something that I did not see coming because they looked like they were in disarray on defense the first seven, eight games. Um, and Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs is great so i think given the chiefs offensive weapons and the way their defense is played i have to take them in the afc until proven otherwise nfc i i really 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 was thinking of taking the bucks because tom brady and i can't pick against tom brady until otherwise but i don't want to pick the same super bowl matchup (laughs) again so i'm gonna take and I hate this as a Bears fan, but I have respect. The Packers, this is their chance. They're playing a lot of warm weather teams in Green Bay. They got to go through Lambeau to get to the Super Bowl. I see a rematch of Super Bowl One, Chiefs and Packers, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, who's your winner? Oh, all right. We're picking winners. I oh, thought it was yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, why not? Yeah, just give me one. I yeah. hate the Packers, so I'm gonna take Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs. Cool. So Chiefs, Chiefs win the Super Bowl. All right, Ian. Why don't you take next? So I will in the NFC. I, I am gonna uh, say Brady makes it again and and goes into Lambeau and uh, surprises the Packers. I'm curious what that line would be. Packers, uh, Bucks. I don't know. We don't have to guess it, but uh, you know, I know the Packers are, are pretty heavy favorites. What's that? I, I think the Packers would be. It would be a toss up. I'd take Green Bay minus like two Re- or three. Really? I feel yeah, like it would I be think higher. So. I agree. I think, I think it, it would be, be minus like, three. Really? I think. All right. Yeah. Maybe it's the Brady factor, but I don't know. Warm weather team going to Green Bay. I think will be somewhat surprising, but I'm going to take the the Bucks to get back there, and then. I will take the number one seed Titans. I, I feel like they're getting very little respect in the the AFC, and you know, somewhat uh, understandable with the Bills and the the Chiefs. But I am going to take them with the with the only team, obviously, with the bye in the first round to make it to the Super Bowl and face off against the Bucks and to shock the world and to beat Brady, the Tennessee Titans, to win the Super Bowl. That'll be very entertaining. Something different. Yeah. 
I like it. Adam, what say you? Okay, so my preseason pick was the Chiefs over the Rams. Um, I think out of the AFC, I, I mean, look, it's I, you got to see somebody beat Kansas City in the playoffs before you, you pick against them. Um, they are rolling right now. Um, I know they weren't quite able to, to capture the one seed, but I think they'll be able to beat Tennessee um, on the road if need be, although Tennessee gave them a run for their money last year. Uh, you remember they, they had that huge comeback uh, win. Uh, so I like Kansas City out of the AFC. Uh, the NFC, so this is tough because I, I was I was really big on the Rams, um, but just losing last week was such a killer. I mean, I think it dropped them from like the – the two or three seed and i i just i don't see them beating you know tampa and green bay on the road um you know i already had concerns about los angeles playing a, a road game in green bay so i've ruled them out um you know so the the, the clear two best teams to me are, are green bay and tampa um and I, I it is so hard to repeat as super bowl champions i mean you need to get you need to catch breaks here and there. You know, again, Brady's going to have to do this on the road. You know, bet against Brady at your own risk. But I'm, and and I know I spent two minutes on last week's podcast saying how I will not pick Green Bay. They've let me down too many years in a row. They always come up short in the playoffs. But um, I don't know. Something feels a little bit different about Rodgers this year. He's had a chip on his shoulder from day one. Um, you know, playing angry at whoever. Uh, so as a result of the Rams losing last week, I'm gonna take uh, Green Bay to to make it to the Super Bowl. Are you um, going against? Are you going opposite of me? The road goes through Green Bay, and but for the Super Bowl, I I, I gotta go with the Chiefs. So we have the same. Still, nice. We do. Nice. We do. Yeah. I I wish I had gone first because I I I don't know. I figured you'd have something different, but um, yeah. I, I don't. This year. I think you the, both the, had Chiefs going into the season. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the yeah. Chiefs were my preseason pick. I still think they're the safest bet. Um, and um, you know, look, I I don't feel great about my Green Bay pick because I still think that um, you know they, he's got to yeah. I mean, he, and, and Rodgers has got to get it done. You know, um, I just couldn't pick the same matchup three years in a row. Right. That 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 too. I I yeah. I mean, when was the last time we got we got a back to back? Uh, Super Bowl matchup. I mean, I feel like one of the two is going down. So yeah, give me the Chiefs over the Packers. Um, and yeah, yeah. So uh, initially, I, t- I took the Seahawks over the Chiefs. I chose the team that didn't even make the playoffs. Um, I'm gonna. I, I initially thought that my picks would be boring because I'm gonna pick both of the number one seeds. Um, but none of you guys uh, picked that matchup of the Packers versus the Titans. And I- I'll tell you, part of the reason I'm doing this is I think. With this being the first 18-week season, getting that extra game in there, the bye is going to be that much more important than it has been in the past. I think as players get used to to the extra game over time, it won't be really any different. But given that it's such a new concept, I think the players are that much more tired. And having that bye, I I think, is huge, um, for one. Now, going into each of the conferences... um, I'll start with the AFC. The, the, The Titans destroyed the Chiefs earlier this season. Um, and they did so with Derrick Henry. They're getting Derrick Henry back um, by the time they go into the playoffs, and um, he's going to be fresh, especially given the extra week. So to me, that that's actually the easier pick to, to making it to the Super Bowl. Packers-Buccaneers, that, that that's that's a little bit tougher. Um, you know, and I'll be totally honest here. I, 
I, I think a small part of me wants to say that the Eagles are going to pull off a, a massive upset, and that's why I, I don't want to go with the Bucks just yet. Um, I, I do think there is something to, to this being likely Aaron Rodgers last season with the Packers. Um, the fact that he he's won a couple, but he hasn't won one in, I, I want to say, maybe 11 seasons. Um, and not only is this his last season with the Packers, we don't know for sure if he's going to have – a future at all in the NFL after this. I know you guys think he will, but we don't know that yet. So I do think he's going to lead his team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, as far as who wins it, it's a total toss-up to me. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, I got to go with experience. I got to go with the Packers at this point. Um, I'd love to be wrong on this. I'll be rooting for the Titans in this in this type of Super Bowl, but it's going to have to be the Packers for me. So with that, uh, we will move to final thoughts. Um, Ian, why don't we start with you? I'll give a quick final thought on the Knicks making a trade today for Cam Reddish, who uh, you know is uh, definitely a talented player. Obviously, in college, maybe hasn't fully lived up to uh, his uh, name yet in the pros, but only 22 years old. Knicks gave up a. Uh, a pick that maybe wasn't going to actually be their pick. And uh, Kevin Knox, who's been a disappointment, hasn't really played at all. So from everything I've read, everyone seems to be very happy with the trade. The Knicks have played a little bit better of late. It's been a very up and down first half of the season, but they are I think, a couple games over 500 now and uh, maybe heading in the right direction. So just a, a quick shout out to the Knicks and looking forward to seeing uh, another uh uh, just another new guy on their team, and uh, he's playing their former team, the Hawks, in his first game with the Knicks, I think, on Saturday night. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. Okay. Um, Adam, you want to take next? Sure. So my final thought in baseball, so maybe a bit of a controversial opinion here, but the Mets just announced they'll be retiring Keith Hernandez's number, uh, number 17, which um, – I am not a big fan of retiring numbers. I think that it really it really needs to be reserved for the best of the best. There has to be some some sort of criteria. Number one, they should absolutely be a Hall of Famer. I think they need to have played a certain number of years for your franchise. Um, I think they need to have won a championship. Um, so Hernandez did win one World Series, but you know he wasn't a Met for, for 10 years. I think he was like seven years or something, uh, not in the Hall of Fame. But to me, I think the most mind-blowing statistic as a long-suffering Mets fan, the Mets now have more retired numbers than they do first-place finishes in franchise history. They've got seven retired numbers and only six first-place finishes. And to me, that I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, I get it. You know, they've got a Mets Hall of Fame. You can put them there. But I think that, you know, when you start retiring too many numbers, it it kind of devalues the meaning of it. And by the way, number 17 has been worn for the past 30 years by random players. I think if you're going to retire a guy's number, you stop giving the number out right away. But the fact, I mean, the Mets have had a million guys, Daisung Koo, Luis Lopez, Jose Lima, all these guys have worn number 17 since Keith Hernandez retired. So to me, it doesn't really mean much retiring it all these years later. So that's my final thought. Yeah, and Mike? Yeah, I'll make it relatively quick. So tonight at the United Center was Andrew Shaw night, and one of my favorite Blackhawks memories ever 
I was fortunate enough to be at game one of the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals, which was probably one of the games that took the most energy out of me because of anxiety and heart palpitations and just craziness. Um, The game went to triple overtime, and Andrew Shaw, who's one of the scrappiest hockey players I've ever seen, he, he made the most of his talent. He's small, but he would always go to the front of the net and would always be there ready to take on the biggest player on, on the opposing team. Stood in front of the net despite Zdeno Chara bearing down on him. And Dave Bolin had a, I think it was it was a redirect that hit Shaw's shin pad and the puck tripled, trickled into the goal. It was almost midnight at that point. Um, and the whole stadium lost it. Hockey, playoff hockey is just, there's nothing like playoff hockey. And so triple overtime of a Stanley Cup final game, to be there and to see that happen, I'll never forget that. And so Andrew Shaw, thank you for all the memories. One of my favorite Blackhawks to watch ever. Um, Just left it all out on the ice. So um, it's fitting that, that he got, even though he wasn't one of the most talented or superstar players on the 2013 and 2015 cup teams he was the scrappiest and one of the most beloved so uh hat tip to andrew shaw so with all the uh, the weeks in between our last podcast and the one before we did not have the opportunity to discuss the passing of the legendary john madden uh, mm-hmm. who was originally drafted by the eagles didn't end up playing um but hall of fame Coach and broadcaster, uh, most notably with the uh, the Oakland Raiders, back when they were, you know, in Oakland. And to say that he is the voice of football would be a massive, massive understatement. Um, I mean, for one, he got his name on a video game franchise that, you know, probably alone inspired a couple of young kids to go out and play football. People who would who would play the video games had a lot of fun, listened to Madden's voice. They 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 decide, hey, I like this. Why why don't I try out? Um, he, he, you know, he was so popular that you can argue that he was most responsible for taking Sundays away from church and giving it to football. You know, he, he, he's more influential now than Jesus himself on a Sunday, which is really saying something. Um, but it was always fun to hear his games, especially when he was paired up with, uh, with Pat Summerall, the late Pat Summerall, and, um, to just, just a remarkable career, um. Hopefully I'll be in Canton sometime in the near future, and I'll definitely be taking um, extra time um, to, to read more about John Madden himself. And with that, we will end the podcast here from Ian Gus, Mike Weil, Adam Rosen, and myself. We will see you guys soon.